I can invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. While they were saying these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were terrified and afraid. They thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you startled? Why are your doubts arising in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. It's really me. Touch me and see, for a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like you see I have. As he said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. Because they were wondering and questioning in the midst of their happiness, he said to them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. Taking it, he ate it in front of them. Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, This is what is written, The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You were witnesses of these things. Look, I'm sending to you what my Father promised, but you are to stay in the city until you have been furnished with heavenly power. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. This morning we're going to be continuing our journey through Luke's gospel uh, as we've been looking at the good news that Luke shares about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and then also what he, how he writes and how he presents uh, Jesus' appearance and the gospel story uh, following his resurrection. And so including Easter Sunday, we've spent about the last four weeks just looking at Luke chapter 24. And if you think about it, Luke 24, if the Gospel of Luke, if we were to chop Luke 24 off and take it away, every other bit of the Gospel wouldn't matter. Because it's a crucial chapter in this Gospel. As he tells us of the women going to the tomb to find it is empty, they return and share the news of their discovery to the disciples. We know that Peter hears the news and he has to go see for himself. So he runs to the tomb and sees what's going on and realizes that what the women have said is true. And so after looking in the tomb, it says Peter returns to the the disciples to whatever room they were in. And he is uh, leaving. He wonders what has happened as he walks away or depending on your biblical translation, he says he walks away amazed. Later that day, as we've read in the last two Sundays, we read the story of the Emmaus Road experience where two disciples are walking on a road to Emmaus. And as they walk on that Easter Sunday afternoon, they were recapping on the events that had happened over the past few days. A man joins them on the road and they were kept by God from recognizing him. And as he walks with them, he asks what they're discussing and then he points out to them everything that the Old Testament has promised in terms of pointing to Jesus and the events that they had just witnessed and been part of. So that would be the betrayal, the crucifixion, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, all of these events that are supposed to have happened to the Messiah and were to be indicators of who the Messiah was to give people proof so that they could see and so they could connect the Old Testament passages with what they had just experienced. And so it was only after these two disciples pressed Jesus to stay with them to eat a meal because the day was drawing close that they realize or they recognize who they have been walking with. And so as they sit at the table, Jesus takes bread and he blesses it and then he breaks it. And it was only then that they recognized him. 
I don't know if it was as dramatic as um, Saul's, uh, Damascus Road, you know, where his conversion, where he had something like scales fall from his eyes. But the scripture tells us that whatever God was doing to keep them from recognizing that Jesus was with them, when he took the bread and broke it, they recognized him after that point, and then Jesus vanished from their presence. And so today we continue with this post-Easter appearance of Jesus that Luke lists in his gospel. In this morning's gospel, the disciples are still gathered together. John's gospel tells us that, that they are behind locked doors and they're in fear because they think that the temple authorities are coming for them and the Romans and, and they just don't know what's going to happen. But Luke doesn't tell us anything of this. He just tells us that the disciples and followers of Jesus are together and they are talking about the events that have occurred and then Jesus appears among them and says, Peace be to you. Friends, that's the last thing I'd experience if Jesus appeared. <laughs> it's peace, right? He appeared. He appeared to Peter and the other ten disciples who remained. He appeared to the women who had likely been the ones that had journeyed to the tomb to discover that it was empty. He appeared to the other unnamed disciples who were in the house that day. He appeared, and when he did, Luke writes that the disciples were terrified and afraid, and they thought they were seeing a ghost. And so Jesus says, why are you afraid? He, you know, Jesus, well, he knows the answer before he asks it. And so he says, why are you afraid? And they said, uh, he says, why are you startled? Why are doubts arising in your hearts? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. Touch and see. For a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like I have. And as he says this, he offers them his hands and his feet. Now, this isn't the gospel where Thomas doubts and Thomas has to, to place his hands in Jesus' side or, or Jesus doesn't say to him, here, Thomas, place your hands in my side so that you will believe. For Luke, all it takes is Jesus showing the disciples his hands and his feet for them to begin to realize who he was and for them to, be, to begin to realize who was now in their midst. And then he asks them, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of baked fish and he, he took it and he ate it in front of them. And so as Luke works to, to share with us the joy of the resurrection and the discovery of the resurrected Jesus by the disciples and the other followers, Luke also works to answer one question that the disciples had and he knew that every one of us would have, that anyone who heard of Jesus of Nazareth and of his resurrection would have as well, and that is what sort of uh, resurrected body did Jesus have? I think that's what the earliest Christians would have wondered. I know it's a question that, that people throughout history have wondered. And I know that the disciples, who were even the ones that Jesus appeared in that room with them, wondered, I'm sure, themselves. Is, what kind of resurrection is this? You know, in the earliest Christian church, when they spoke of resurrection, what they, they did not mean that, that when we are resurrected, we would receive an exact body. Or identical body to the one that we have today. And I'm okay with that. They didn't mean that our spirits or our souls would come down from God and be given to us at our birth and we would borrow them and use them for whatever uh, span that our life encompasses so that when we die, our soul leaves us and it goes forever. They didn't believe that we were this two-part. But they believed that we were a whole, united person, soul and spirit, body and soul. 
And so what the apostles meant when they talked about the resurrection and what the historic and the ancient church means when they talk about the promise of the resurrection and what the church today, the, the Orthodox church says is that we believe that when we are resurrected, we will receive a new body. You can call it a resurrection body, a body that is perfect in the eyes of God, a body that is given to you by God, a body that is a new creation in the same way that God created you out of Genesis chapter 3. Now what's it going to look like? I don't know, because only God's going to see it, right? Or we're going to see each other's resurrection bodies, but that's going to be in a time and a place when really none of us are going to be able to, to measure or view things in the way we see them today, right? And so our resurrection body would no longer be susceptible to sin, susceptible to decay or death or to illness. It will be eternal. And since it is a new body created by God, it's going to be granted to us. Oh, see, this is where in the, in the Christian church, we believe that, that you can be both buried in the ground or cremated. Because God's going to create for you a new body, whether you're buried in the ground or whether someone's been cremated. And when God creates that new body in us, then you and I are going to experience the union of heaven and of earth that you can go and read about in the book of Revelation and Jesus himself talked about all through his gospels when he talked about how God's kingdom would be made a thing at hand and how you and I would be able to experience it. I know it's a hard concept for us to grasp, because it's something that, that you and I, I mean, we're people that, that we want to see proof, right? We want to, to be able to, to, to have a reasonable understanding and explanation of what we're experiencing and what we see. And, and this is hard for us to grasp because it, we're talking about something that God has promised us after his final victory. And so there's nothing that you and I can even do to make that a thing except to believe so that we can participate in it. See, Paul wrestled with this same question in his own ministry as he went to churches like Ephesus and Corinth and Galatia and in other places that you read about in his letters. He recognized the difficulty in understanding what it means for us to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, he wrote an entire chapter about it. Now I'm going to say it's an essay. Because it's a long chapter. Because Paul can get a little wordy sometimes. But he writes us his understanding of the resurrection and what he understands it to mean and what he believes God is calling us to do in what we, when we talk about what it means to believe in the resurrection. And so I'd recommend you spend 1 Corinthians 15, although I'm not going to read it all to you today. I just want to touch on one bit that I believe uh, applies to today's scripture. Because Paul writes, but someone will say, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come back? Now I'm not saying this to you, but Paul writes, look fool. When you put a seed into the ground, doesn't it come back to life unless it dies? What you put in the ground doesn't have the shape that it will have. But it's a bare grain of wheat or some other seed. God gives it the sort of shape that he chooses. And he gives each of the seeds its own shape. And then he says all flesh isn't alike. Humans have one kind of flesh, animals have another kind of flesh, birds have another kind of flesh, 
and fish have another kind. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. The heavenly bodies have one kind of glory, the moon has another kind of glory, and the stars have another kind of glory, but one star is different from another star in its glory. It's the same with the resurrection of the dead. A rotting body is put into the ground, but what is raised won't ever decay. It's degraded when it's put into the ground, but it's raised in glory. It's weak when it's put into the ground, but it's raised in power. It's physical body when it's put into the ground, but it's raised as a spiritual body. So what Paul is saying, and Paul uses a lot of words, is that when we receive our resurrected body, our spiritual body, that we will be a new creation. And the part of of this passage that I appreciate that he uses is this example of a seed. Because it is so helpful for us to think of it in that way because a seed for it to fulfill its purpose and its function has to be placed in the earth, doesn't it? It's put into the earth and it's buried and it's only then that it is able to take root and to grow into a plant. It has to shed being a seed in order to be a plant. It can't be both. And we also have to shed our prior lives in order to receive the new life and the resurrection body that God has planned for each of us and that God has promised will be created for each of us. See, when Jesus appeared to the disciples and they were afraid, He told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law from Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And then he asks them if they'd had food to eat. He took the piece of baked fish and he ate it so that they could see that his resurrection body was a physical body. It was his body. It was Jesus. So first, and I'm kind of straying, but that's okay. Jesus continues. You know, if you'll notice in in Luke 24, how many times does Jesus point uh, the disciples and those that are listening to him back to the Old Testament? It's in both encounters that we've read, haven't we? I mean, the empty tomb, the women go, Peter goes, they find the tomb is empty. Then on the road to Emmaus, as Jesus is walking with those two disciples, uh, as they do not understand or understand fully what has occurred, he, the scripture tells us that he spent the time walking with them, pointing their eyes towards the Old Testament to demonstrate and show to them that what had happened to them was exactly part of God's plan. And then he does the same thing here in Luke 24 in these verses. I think Jesus wants us to see. I think he wanted the disciples to see that everything that had happened to him was not an accident. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't humans trying to do something that wasn't part of God's plan. It was all part of God's plan. And so he told his disciples how they were to be identified in following him. 
I mean, basically, he says to them, he says, you must be known by a change of heart in life for the forgiveness of sins that you preach. And so he's telling them that they have to be known by the way that they repent of their sins and the way that they forgive others. That's it. Now, he told them how his resurrection was true, but he used this time to remind them of what the heart was of being a Christian which is personally turning away from sin and personally celebrating the forgiveness of God. And then as they did that, then he said, what are you to do? He said, you must preach that to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Right, that's reminiscent to like Matthew 28 where Jesus gives the disciples the great commission and tells them to go forth and, and uh, proclaim this message, this good news from, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and all of the earth. But he's telling them where they have to begin. They have to begin in Jerusalem and they have to go out. They couldn't stay in that room no matter how fearful they were, no matter how uncertain they were. They had to go out to the people that had even crucified Jesus himself and to tell them of the forgiveness that God had offered them. And then the resurrected Jesus provided them with their purpose. And he told them that they wouldn't do it alone, but that they would have the promise of the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is why we exist as followers of Jesus. To talk about forgiveness and to seek repentance of our sins. Not just to grow as a community of faith, not just to grow as individuals in our faith, not just to study and serve and fellowship and do all the things that we do. Our purpose is to tell the world of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, to tell others of our need for repentance, and to help others seek the forgiveness by faith that God offers to each of us through His Son, Jesus. See, the tomb was open and empty. The scriptures were opened and fulfilled. Their eyes were opened and they recognized. Their minds were opened and they believed. May that be our prayer. That our own eyes would be opened so that we might recognize Jesus. May our minds be opened so that we might truly believe. And may our mouths be opened so that we might proclaim and receive the heart of the gospel, which is repentance and forgiveness that comes only from God. Amen.